Welcome to Gym Wag, a podcast series hosted by me, Lisa Eaton. Over at G&T, I'll be interviewing some of the region's most respected business leaders, CEOs and CMOs to hear all about their journey and their experiences. So take a seat, pour a drink and join us for an inspiring half hour of like-minded chat. A huge welcome to the first episode of Ginwag in 2022. Uh, this episode, I'm going to be interviewing the amazing, inspiring Simon Clayton, who is founder of the Marketing Skills Academy. Simon is a professionally qualified marketing and leadership coach with a proven track record in training and mentoring businesses of all shapes and sizes. Throughout his career, Simon has owned, managed and built businesses, as well as provided leadership and strategic change management to a diverse range of public, private and third sector organisations. In 2016, Simon launched his own coaching and training consultancy, the Marketing Skills Academy, which provides training workshops and coaching programs aimed at entrepreneurs and business owners covering strategic marketing planning, personal branding and leadership development, all of which we'll touch on in this episode. In 2019, Simon published his first book, Marketing Master Plan, and launched his own coaching program of the same name. Simon is currently in the process of writing book number two as we speak. Simon is also part of the senior lecturing team at Teesside University, member of the Associates of Coaching, UK Marketing Network and Chartered Management Institute, as well as being a brilliant and inspiring public speaker. Here is Simon's story. Enjoy. Simon, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to have you on the very first edition of Ginwag for 2022. Thank you so much for the invite. Happy New Year to you. Uh, thank you. Do we still say that now in February? Does it, does it kind of peter away early January? It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? I'm still catching up with people I've not seen for months and months uh, during lockdown and all the shenanigans that were in the last 18 months. So uh yeah happy new year anyway and um yes it's it's good to be here thank you so much you're you're welcome i'm so excited to hear your story and for me happy new year because of the 10th of january so that's <laughs> no, it can't be at any point after that just like a christmas tree it's got to go straight Absolutely. back um so um simon tell us a little bit about your journey before we start if you would yeah sure um so um i i, I suppose my career kind of kicked off um, about 25 plus years ago, um, I did the usual kind of school, college, went to university, uh, got a degree in uh, design management. Um, always thought I was either going to be a journalist or a graphic designer. Um, got a role fairly quickly as a junior in an advertising agency in Teesside. And realized that, to be honest with you, I wasn't very good at designing stuff um, and really enjoyed getting out and meeting people and seeing clients and stuff. Um, so very quickly shifted into the account management side of things um, and kind of worked my way uh, through the various rankings and the agencies in Newcastle and Teesside uh, to account director level. Um, and then I went and worked on agency side, uh, sorry, client side, where I was a marketing manager for three years. So I suppose I always say that first 20 years was my apprenticeship, just learning about strategy and so forth. I did a couple of courses and qualifications um, and really getting a feel for the industry out there. I worked for some absolutely brilliant clients, 
um, learned so much in that time. Um, and then kind of, uh, where are we, 2014, I was working for an agency who uh, sadly went bust overnight, uh, wasn't expecting it, and suddenly I was unemployed. And uh, the funny thing was, it was summer, and we had a holiday in Mallorca booked, and my wife said, well, what are you going to do? So I've got two options. I either go and get a job, you know, or I set up on my own. And she said, well, you've whinged for the last, goodness knows how many years about working for other people. Why don't you start and do something yourself? Um, and it was kind of like, yeah, I suppose you're right. I have whinged about other people. Um, and um, it's that kind of realisation, gosh, um, you're on your own. What do you do? You've got to go out there knocking on doors and so forth and tell people. And the best thing was, I thought, right, I'll give it six months and then that'll be it. And um, as soon as I went out there and telling people I was freelance, just the support and, you know, clients and, and, and who said, yeah, great, we'd love to work with you, was really, really encouraging. Um, so when I first set up, um, I set up as a, as a marketing agency. So um, to the outside world, uh, I could build websites, I could manage social media, I could write marketing plans, I could organize events, you name it, I could do it all under the guise of this agency. Behind the scenes, there was just me and a whole bunch of freelancers and consultants I was working with. Um, and within about 12 months, I suddenly became a very, very busy fool in so much that I was just creating a little commission off the top and they were making the money and it was really hard to manage. And you know all this, you've been there, you know it really difficult to manage and um i was kind of a bit kind of lost and thinking gosh is this it is this what self-employment all about and is it going to be like this forever and a day and unfortunately by pure chance i had a client in newcastle who worked for a, a large um a pub pub group pub chain um including cafes and restaurants and she got in touch she said look we don't need any kind of real uh, design or marketing what we do need though is something to come in and train the guys on how to use social media. We've got these different kind of sites, all with different target audiences. And um, at the moment, they're just chucking anything out and it's just not working. So I literally said, yeah, of course, not a problem at all. I've done this all loads of times, which I hadn't. Uh, went away and created this social media, very basic, what is social media and how to post and so forth. Went back and presented it and they absolutely loved it. So they got me in for some consultancy work. They got me back in to do some more workshops. And so I thought, gosh, this is brilliant. This is me, uh, you know, sharing my knowledge and my experience of what I know and so forth. And, you know, getting paid for my time. Um, and it kind of went from there. I then got asked to speak at various business groups. Um, I got asked to speak at Teesside University. And somebody who I'd not seen for 30 years uh, came on and said, oh, my goodness, she ran the enterprise unit down there. She said, we would love to get you in as a speaker. Do you fancy, do you fancy doing some work for us? That then went on to getting some lecturing work. And from there, it just kind of grew. Um, so the agency was closed very quickly. And uh, when I say closed, it was just switched the website off. And, um, you know, and then this new kind of training and coaching. Uh, so I, I work at Teesside University on a, on a part-time contract. And I'd say that's where I've kind of really enhanced my learning. Uh, so I, I suppose my work now is working with small to medium-sized business owners on their strategic marketing, looking at their planning. Um, there's probably a lot more, I would say, it, it, you know yourself, it's kind of a wider business coaching than just purely marketing. Uh, and I think with anything, you know, if you don't know who your target audience is and what you're selling and what that unique selling proposition is, 
uh, you know, and if you've got the money to fund all this, well, then that's pretty much business, you know, coaching, what's all about. So I've kind of, I, I kind of got there and so I'm a, a marketing and leadership coach, um, but I would say it's probably more, more business coaching is what I do. Um, yeah. In terms of the grand scheme of things. Brilliant. Thank you. Wow. What a journey. And what's so interesting is our kind of paths have been almost in parallel. It's, it's, about similar between yeah because i did the same started off with um graphic design and art at um a level um went into a studio realized i wasn't that great at it um uh, but had a good eye for commercially directing it yeah. so it was a saleable piece um i mean it's a running joke now if i ever have to scamp out a brief you know it's just absolutely outrageous um but you know same thing went into agency worked my way up a, uh, you know my own business and then and then teaching so you know although we we only really kind of met properly didn't we early part of last year Simon I guess our, we've been almost running in parallel for many years over the same sort of period with the same journey but it's just so interesting to hear kind of you know your stance and so I mean we know your marketing through and through um but often uh, what stems a marketing career can be the love of a brand or design as you spoke back um what was the first brand that ever had an impact on you growing up and and why do you remember it what type of impact i'll be honest with you if we go right back to my childhood the one that stands out the most and probably still does now and always makes a great case study is lego yeah now, for me, Lego was like, you know, everything I've created as a child was in Lego, you know, and, and I just, I love working with it. You know, it was really easy to use. Uh, you know, it was a space in which you create for yourself where you could go in, let your imagination go wild. And you think as a brand, how it, it has just adapted constantly and kind of almost reinvent itself for every era, every generation, which is really powerful because we know that's really, really difficult for a lot of brands. Um, so for me, that's the one that really stands out the most um, as, as kind of being really kind of, um, I suppose, I'm going to say empowering to my career that, you know, you can keep moving forward and reinvent yourself and, and, and you know, approaching that kind of audience, if you like. So, yeah, I'm going to say Lego. <laughs> cool. Love it. Love it. I mean, that's a true creative brain as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, absolutely. It's great. And I guess moving on from the brand then, where did the love of marketing come from? And where did you associate, um, I guess, the, the kind of creative element and the brand element and tying that into marketing? Well, again, going back to my childhood, uh, I sound like I'm on some couch here, doesn't I? Some kind of uh, psychologist. Very therapeutic, this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, going back to my childhood, what I would say, it, it was very much about... Um, I was talking to my mum about this uh, a few months back, and I was constantly creating stuff. Uh, I used to create um, a comic for my brother, my younger brother. I used to do him a comic every every week and colour it in and create the stories as well. Um, so I've always been someone who's, who's who enjoys creating something. Uh, I think that the way that ties in with marketing, I'm also someone who likes things in their boxes. I'm, I'm very much, a, I'd like to think I was an organised person. Uh, you know, and very much, I suppose, making sure that everything fits in its place and it has a reason for its existence, uh, and more so that there's, you know, there's an outcome from that. And I think that's where it comes from as well. If, if, I, if I was to look back and really analyse, you know, my journey to here, it probably has been very much about, um, I suppose, strategic thinking at a very low level, but still kind of thinking of, right, if I do this, this is what happens, this is why I'm doing this, this is what I hope happens, and, and so forth. So that's where I would say it kind of kicked off from, really um kind of from my childhood and so forth yeah I suppose my real love kind of kicked in when when I was at uni and when you when I was kind of I, I, 
we had a, a module, a marketing module, and that really opened my eyes. And the really lucky thing was that when I was at university, um, my uh, marketing tutor was the ex-Happy Mondays manager. Oh, wow. um, so that was really interesting. And he had a completely different approach. Um, it was at a time when Manchester was kind of, it come out that Madchester era. Yeah. Um, and it was when kind of, I'm going to really show me age now, but kind of Oasis were on the, were kind of just kicking off and so forth. Um, but the university had some brilliant links with external um, industry within the music industry. So factory records, um, you know, and all the things that was going on there, which was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, I would say it kind of university where it kind of kicked off and got me really interested in, into marketing and the kind of the theory, your four P's and all that kind of thinking then. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you kind of take it back, that four P's is still very much around. I'm not sure if anybody still teaches that exact mo uh, model, but everybody still recognises the four P's, don't they? So Seven P's now, religiously, we still teach it. Oh, you see? <laughs> universities, seven P's, it's still there. There so, you yes. go, there you go. Um, so you, I mean, you missed this out of your journey, and it's this is a pretty big achievement, in, in my opinion, anyway. But in 2009, you wrote your first book um which was the marketing master plan um i mean that has to be pretty huge right you've got to be up there on your achievements of things that you've done which is very cool it, it, yeah okay it is it's <laughs> if you ask me mother she would she, she would say it's absolutely fabulous and she'd say and sell himself you know i, I think the, the boot camp i'd love to sit here and say to you in pure J.K. Rowling style, that I sat down and wanted to write a book and I locked myself away and I did it. None of that happened. The book was kind of came by pure accident. Um, I was coaching for a, a development agency up in, in Newcastle and they'd asked me to be their marketing coach and to work with small businesses. And when I said, you know, what kind of materials, what, what do you want me to take? They said, well, you're the marketing guy, you go off and do it, which was fine, you know. Um, and from that, I started to pull together a very simplistic process that I wanted small businesses to understand, basically how to create a marketing plan. And I didn't want to be heavily academic because we know what it's like, so, you know, academic can really scare a lot of people off. Uh, so I wanted a step-by-step -step process and I created these kind of six pillars that, you know, that would take you from literally thinking about your, your business, why it exists, through to identifying a target audience, then on to thinking about the tools and channels you need to use based on your target audience and what you need to put across, and then a kind of a conversion funnel and how you measure that. Very simple. And it kind of grew from there, really. And it was a, a copywriter friend of mine who said, you know, this would make a really good book. And I was like, nah, it's not, no, trust me. And um, I was working with a real good designer at the time. He took it away and, you know, did some visuals for me. And it was like, oh, my goodness, yeah, this is this really works. Um, and it was then from there and, and the book got published and, and that's the kind of story. So I said, I would love to give you some kind of romance that, you know, oh, yes, it, it, it's kind of locked myself away. And it was years in planning, but it really wasn't. And, you know, I love that. I love that story because, you know, most brilliant things come around without the real planning stages, don't they, by accident or, you know, just by attempt of fate or a journey or a meet or in your case, you know, this material that came around was working with an agency and then somebody recognizing that that would make a great piece. And, you know, it, that's great to hear because I think it inspires lots of people who have some sort of idea, but maybe don't know how to get it off the ground or the exact steps you need to be able to take it to market or, or you know, hit your objectives around it. And actually, 
just not suggesting you fumbled your way a bit there, Simon, but you know, just kind of fumbling your way a little bit is sometimes the way to make things happen, isn't it? No, I can go for fumble. I'd, I'd say there was some luck in there as well. Um, definitely all this. It, it, you know, I, I think it's it's also that it was something I really believed in. It's something I really wanted to work for my clients. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you've got that that passion and you believe in what you're doing you do then kind of, uh, you bring things towards, you kind of emanates out, if that makes sense. I'm not going to get kind of scientific, on that, but I do believe in, in the laws of attraction. That if you want something badly and you believe in something, uh, it will resonate towards you. And, and so I do believe in that. Having said that, yeah, I would still say there's a lot of luck and a, a lot of fumbling. And a lot of hard work and a lot of talent as well. But um, Okay, I'll take that as well. <laughs> so you are now in the process of writing a second book, which is all about personal branding. Um, what made you choose that subject and what can we expect to see in there? So Lisa, this is the very difficult second book. Uh, this is the one where I've actually thought about this and as a book, not just kind of, you know, and, and it, it, it kind of... You kind of go through a process where you write lots of stuff down and I've looked at past blog posts and done lots of research and then you kind of get into a format and you leave it for a few days and you really think this is really bad and start all over again and start. So I'm going through that horrible process at the moment, which I did with the first book. Um, but yeah, basic personal branding for me, it, it, it's it's probably an untapped area for a lot of, a lot of business owners, a lot of businesses. Um, and the reason being that for so long, organizations have concentrated on their customers so the customer always comes first and that's that's kind of the mantra that we've we've been taught that we've gone out and you know customer comes first and one of the things that a lot of the bigger organizations are realizing more now that actually it's their people it's the people who actually make things happen and we know the old adage you know people buy from people and for me um I suppose the last kind of five or six years that some of the brands I've been working with, some of the companies I've been working with, realizing that actually there's a lot of power if you can if you can really mold individual people, if you can give them their own identity rather than living just under a brand. Uh, and that's where the kind of concept came from. It's massive in the States. Yeah. And it's kind of worked its way over here very, very slowly. But for me, it's a really, really powerful uh, business tool. That if we can actually sell ourselves, that then we can sell our brands. Depending on what we're doing, you know, we can really sell ourselves and, and form those relationships. Um, you know, if we're self-employed, we can we can maximize and monetize our own knowledge. Uh, and if we work in-house, you know, that kind of entrepreneur entrepreneurialship thinking is really, really powerful as well. So that's kind of where the interest comes from. And the, the more I looked into it, the, the more interest, the, the little snippets you find. Um I've kind of based the book, it's interesting to be talking about the four P's because I've, I've got my own four P's on personal branding. So I've broken it out to four key areas, which is uh, purpose, persona, uh, people, and promotion. So very simple. Yeah. Uh, so purpose is all about, you know, actually understanding who you are and what you are. And I think this is an important point because in business, we don't tend to do that much. We, 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 we don't tend to analyze ourselves and really, you know, hone in on our skills and what we're really good at. More to the point that our values and what we believe in. So that's all about purpose. Uh, persona is then how do we actually um, create our personal brand? And one of, the, one of the common questions I get asked is, you know, how do we um, differentiate ourselves with our private lives? And, you know, and I agree, there should be an element of keeping your private life safe and so on. So for me, it's about a persona. It's creating this business persona, um, this professional persona that we want to live in. 
um, looking at our brand story, looking at our positioning statement. And then from that, people is what we call our circle of influence. This podcast is brought to you by Fabric, a training academy that empowers the most ambitious marketers to thrive. You're already a marketer or you want to get into marketing. You have ambition like no other and are driven to be the best at what you do. So how can you make sure you make a big impact wherever you go? Well, we're here to share over 20 years of experience and industry insights in just 12 weeks. By the end of our program, you'll know how to build a marketing strategy that delivers big time business impact. Show how valuable you are through effective reporting and help your organization smash targets and reach its goals. Get ready to be the change that propels organizations forward. Nail your next interview, review or board meeting and make yourself the marketer that every business wants. To find out more, visit fabric-academy.com. So there are four levels to the uh, circle of influence. We start with our brand ambassadors, first of all. These are the people who know, like and trust us. These are the people in our network we can go to as and when uh, we need testimonial. And hopefully we've helped them as well be clients, colleagues, peers, whoever. The next level up from that are then our personal brand decision makers. Now, these are the people who hold the purse strings, if you like. These are the people who make decisions very quickly. Uh, you know, and I'm sure when we're in business, they're the people who are ultimately going to contract or get us involved in doing some work for them. Then we have our personal brand role models. These are the people we look up to uh, that we potentially may benchmark ourselves against. And at the very top, our personal brand influences those people who are very top of the game, uh, you know, very wide network. And if we get on their radar, it could be really, really powerful. And then the final stage is personal brand promotion. How do we actually go out there and promote who we are and what we do? Uh, looking at those promotion and engagement channels, websites, uh, you know, through social media, uh, whether we're public speaking, what it is, there's a whole raft of things we can use. Obviously, LinkedIn is one of the best tools for personal branding. Uh, so I'll talk a bit about that. Uh, and then me four Ps. Amazing. And that's so I think that's so useful for people to break that down into those categories of potentially people who are looking to build a personal brand and not really sure where to start. Out of interest, I mean, when did you first realize the importance of this? Because you and I have been in marketing for 20 something years, both of us. And for me, personal branding seems to have come from almost nowhere and it is now everywhere. I mean, it's dominating the topics of marketing at the moment and it's it's tipped as one of the absolute hot trends this year. I think it's what people are going to be talking about left, right and centre. I mean, we are talking about it. You have a book coming out on it. Um, so I think it's a really interesting concept that has been very underplayed for a long time, but you're absolutely bang on with the, you know, people buy from people and why are we not promoting ourselves as we are promoting our products and service or you know, at least, if not equal emphasis, more emphasis on the people. Um, but we've been a bit slow, haven't we, over here, particularly in the UK, on catching on on this. Um, when did you realise the importance of it and what it can do for businesses and people? I, th I think you become aware of it when, obviously, I've done a lot more networking the kind of last five years. You become a lot more aware of that, um, you know, the, the kind of people you network with, uh, who's getting the most attention, uh, you know, and, and there's also been in the, the agency scene, as you know, there's a, there's a lot of celebrity, what I would call real kind of powerful personal brands. I said celebrity there, but, it, it, you know, you, people you look up to and you admire as well. 
And that's when you suddenly see the power of what personal branding can be. So I suppose it's just it's just identifying those kind of people who have a, a real wide network, who've got influence that you think, yeah, you know, I'd like a bit of that. And this kind of all kicked off long before you look at the whole theory about it and, you know, you know how, how you would grow your personal brand. But that's where it kind of kicked off, really. And, and you're right, it is something that's kind of overlooked. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be uh, much bigger this year. And uh, I still find out when I talk, you know, in, in some circles, when I talk about it, people still don't get it. Yeah. Uh, don't get the value of it. Um, I think it's probably easier to understand if you're a business owner, because ultimately it's your business. You can understand why you are selling yourself as, as, as well as your brand. It's a little more interesting when you get on to, um, you know, senior management, people who work on a corporate side. But for me, as I said earlier, you know, entrepreneurial is such a, such a growing area. Uh, you know what I mean? And if that can ultimately help your corporate brand, well, why not utilize it to its, to its full extent and, you know, and take full advantage of it, really? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, your people are your biggest advocate for your brand, right? Yeah. And so, you know, let them amplify themselves and get the message out there. And that's only going to bring, you know, really good things to the brand, hopefully to those yeah. people as well. Um, but also it sets you, you know, up there with an as an employer of choice, doesn't it? It shows, you know, the experience those people have working for those brands. It attracts talent. We know that from the research and data that we're seeing. Um, so there's so many pluses to this, but it's a bit scary for some, isn't it? It is, I mean, it's interesting you raise that point as being a, you know, an employer of choice. There is a very, I mean, obviously the recruitment industry at the moment, the, the, there's tons of jobs out there. There's lots of, you know, and without naming any names, there are some very, very big global brands who are sucking up a lot of people at the moment. We were aware of that, especially in the Northeast, we're aware of that. Um, and I think, you know, from a, from, a, from, a, from a business point of view, we've got to be aware of our employer brand, you know, what we stand for and what we are. And if our people feel valued, you know, and if they feel they're part of the bigger picture, you know, that they're part of the, the bigger, the bigger scene, if you like, um, you know, that will keep those staff there. They'll keep them happy. It'll keep them loyal. Uh, and as you say, they are the brand advocates as well. They're going out and they're sharing the good news about your business and telling everybody what a great place is to work for and so forth. So, you know, it can be really, really powerful and beneficial to business owners um, by looking internally at the, at the kind of staff and think right okay you know how can we use personal branding to the best of our ability here you know what i mean yeah absolutely um i mean anybody that you've seen doing this particularly well anybody that we can have a little look at and have you seen any impact results from anybody who's doing it particularly well so this is a really good question um and what I was going to say, I'm going to fire a question back to you, I suppose, is maybe we should be looking at those who aren't doing it so well at the moment. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we're quite aware of certain politicians who aren't doing so well at the moment with their personal brand, um, you know, and, and I suppose you, we could look at certain sports personalities as well who aren't doing so well. So I think it's very easy to do that. What I would say is, um, and I'm kind of skirting around this question, um, it all depends on who your target audience is and who you're trying to attract. So, for example, my the people I, I look up to and the people who I think are you know, really smashing them up with their personal brand could be very different to who you think. And as I found out when I spoke to my teenage daughters, they have a very different opinion on who they see as being influential you yeah. know, in their lives. So, I mean, I've, t I've jotted down a few here, but obviously uh, Rishi Sunak has got a very, very powerful personal brand at the moment, which is really interesting with what's happening with, with UK politics. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he's got a very kind of authentic looking brand. Um, you know, if you, if you see anything on, on his social media, or on his, 
he's he's always smiling, he always looks relaxed. He looks like he looks like a guy who's in control. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to see this more prominently uh, in the next few weeks, few months, with what unfolds in UK politics. Um, I've then put some of the bigger hitters in there. Obviously, um, Gary Vinicek, uh for me, you know, really really powerful guy. Uh, you know, extremely influential, uh, you know, and um, really gets across um, his authenticity, what he's about, what he believes in, and really encouraging. So for me, you know, great motivator. Um, I put Madonna in there, oh, which yeah? is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, depending on what your feelings are on Madonna, I do feel that she, she's a, she is a real powerhouse. And she's somebody um who dare I say compared to Lego, who's constantly reinvented herself for the generations. You know what I mean? It, it's she's constantly come back with something, some amazing music, you know. Um, and for me, that is a real powerful personal brand yeah. uh, where you can you can cut through all those generations and, and still feel part of that. Um, Neil Patel? Yep. Yeah, I, I think Neil Patel's really strong. Uh, you, you know, the godfather of search engine marketing, uh, you know, really powerful. If you get a chance to see some of his videos on YouTube, um, great guy, really helpful, authentic. Um, Stephen Bartlett, yeah. the guy who's joined Dragon's Den. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of his for the last couple of years. Just bought his book. Um, a great, a really interesting story. Uh, somebody who became very wealthy, very young, and realized he still wasn't happy. That's not what it was about. And he wanted more than that. So, uh, you know, for me, again, um, I've put Kate Middleton here. Okay. Uh, and the reason being that I think with what the royal family are going through at the moment, um, she's someone for me who was always kind of um, stood stood above that kind of um, that cloud of of, of negativity, and yeah. you know, and I think for me she she is quite a powerful, and I think we're going to see more from Kate as time goes. I'm not a royalist by the way, but I do, th you know, it's worth pointing out that for me, I think that she she is a, a powerful uh, female brand. Yeah. Uh, and finally, when I asked my daughters, um, they came up with someone called Molly May. Oh, so I'm yeah. sure my age now. Um, I believe somebody from Love Island, but, you know, they said, oh, yeah, she's she's really strong. So it all just depends on, I suppose, what your interests are, uh, you know, what your business is about yeah. uh, in terms of who your, your um, personal brand idol, should we call them. I love that. I love the the difference in lots of those and where they've come from Simon because it shows that one anybody can have a personal brand be young be old be politics be corporate be you know celebrity um and two the power of that personal brand because you have not met Kate Middleton I'm presuming um but you know you can almost reel off a series of characteristics that you believe are true to Kate Middleton and her her personality and whether they are or not we'll never know I guess unless unless you know we get to meet her ourselves but you know I'm presuming that is very planned and that's what she wants to stand for and that's the persona she wants to be seen as in the general public and so you know the power behind it is so great in terms of being able to create this persona and get people to believe it and buy into it um you know there has to be some authenticity there of course you can't build something that you're not but you can most definitely show areas of yourself that you want to show and keep areas hidden um i mean i think it's really difficult especially like kate and put a, potentially madonna as well because first they're female and we know the, the, the you know we, there's a lot of backlash when it comes to females putting themselves out there and being powerful. We get that, and, and I think also the fact is that 
we tend to think, oh, well, those kind of people have teams of people looking after their personal brand, and they may do. But what you forget is that as much as the positive coverage out there, there's a whole lot of negative as well. And it's, it, you know, your personal brand, it's not just the positive, it's how you manage the negative as well. How you manage the negative feedback, the negative comments in your social media posts. How you come out of that without being confrontational. You know what I mean? Without kind of, you know, losing your rag and, and, and spitting your dummy out. It, it, it's that whole management behind it. And I think for me, someone like Kate Middleton and, and potentially Madonna, it, that's where it becomes really powerful. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess you know. that's where we should maybe, Molly May should be taking some tips from Kate Middleton. I don't know if you listened to the interview with Stephen Bartlett and Molly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's certainly through a, um, a few kind of frenzies into social media and, um, and you know. Did, but just on the back of that, she then apologised and got herself a seven-figure uh, deal with a new makeup brand. So it, yeah, not know. not all that damaging, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, fascinating. I mean, we could talk about this all day, um, but yeah, I think there's some amazing, um, amazing kind of iconic people in there as well. And what I'm finding so fascinating about this, and really interested to see how this develops through this year, is marketers particularly seem to be excellent at doing this so taking out the you know those big kind of public figures those who are in marketing seems to be really really have captured the element of personal branding and just absolutely running with it so even some of the bigger names like you know carrie rose amelia sordell um you know stephen kenwright um you know some of the big agency leaders have just embraced this and absolutely catapulted because of this so it'll be interesting to see if um other industries or other um skilled professionals follow in the same way or if it might take some time for them to catch up i'm just quite fascinated to see what becomes of personal branding over this next year yeah i mean i hope so. it's funny somebody said to us at a networking event isn't personal branding just another buzzword is it just another buzzword that your industry have made up and you kind of yeah i could see that i could see that kind of apathy towards it yeah um but you know when you look into it and what the power it has and yeah i'm going to say this of course i am but for me, it's for anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter what you do or where you come from, you know. Um, more than ever now, we, we communicate so much more online. Uh, we are so much more open about what we do. We're so much more seen. People like to see behind the scenes as well, you know. So it needs some thought and it needs some strategic planning behind it. You know, we need to know where the boundaries are. But for me, yeah, it, it, it's 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 for nobody in specific it's for everybody you know it's, it's fully inclusive yeah no i love that um so you talk loads about setting goals simon which obviously is hugely important um when you're in marketing particularly and most definitely strategic marketing um what goals have you set yourself for 2022 and how do you ensure you work towards hitting them do you have any rituals habits top tips for us <laughs> okay so I suppose the first goal is, as you say, I'm, I'm, I'm writing my my next book, um, and that's I suppose that's the that's the immediate biggest to get that kind of into a um, a stage where I'm happy, um, if that ever happens, <laughs> and um, you know, and, and and get it out there and, and start spreading the word. And from that, you know, I, I hope to pick up some more speaking opportunities and and, and kind of growing that, you know, from that kind of thing. Um, I, th I think for someone like myself, it's kind of widening my my reach uh, nationally and internationally as well. Um, I, th I think when I first started on this journey, say 18 months ago, two years ago, obviously we were in lockdown, um, but it was also very much about the Northeast and Yorkshire, which is kind of the area I kind of cover. Uh, for me, it's kind of widening that reach uh, and doing that. 
Um, and I suppose also kind of um, my health has always been a big deal. I turned um, I turned 50 last year and uh, that was suddenly the, the wake up call. And uh, I've been on a kind of a bit of a health kick. I got myself a, a personal trainer, uh, a nutritionalist, a mind coach, a mindset coach, sorry. And um, kind of you know, thought about it in a big way. And I've kind of educated myself what's important and so forth. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I don't drink, don't smoke. don't. You know, it's, not, it's not about that. Um, but what I will say is I'm very wary about, um, you know, I suppose what I put in my body and, you know, how I look after myself and so forth. And uh, so that's a big thing this year, that kind of well-being and mindset. And also, what you know, what you put in your head as well, I suppose, what, you, what you're getting into. So, yeah, I, I suppose they, they are my goals in terms of making them happen. Um, I have got a very, um, I've got an outline plan for the book of when I'd like to see things happen and how it'll happen. What I tend to find is that goals are great if they guide us. They're not good if they become a whipping stick. So for me, it's kind of, I, I'm very kind of, when I, when, even when I coach, I talk about setting goals, um, that we set goals in a positive way. And if we don't reach those goals, that shouldn't be then we've failed. It shouldn't be a mark of failure. We, you know, we just haven't reached. It's almost like, right, let's see what we've learned by this. You know, we all know that we can set a journey and plan ahead, and yet it can go a completely different way. And we've experienced that with COVID. I was that person in January 2020 who went out online and said, 2020 is going to be an amazing year for business, you know, many opportunities. Get yourself out there. And by March, we were in lockdown. So I'm very wary of kind of, you know, going out there and promising too much and, and telling people what to do. So for me, it is very much um, about setting those goals, be mindful of the, some of those deadlines that you do want to reach, but not beating yourself up if, if it doesn't actually happen ideal to the plan. Yeah, and I, I think that's such good advice. I've just literally been talking about this as well online about, you know, there's for years always this, you know, new year, new me, like, get rid of all the bad stuff, replace it with all the good stuff. And, you know, by end of January, you're pulling your hair out because you've kind of let yourself down. And, um, you know, it's not realistic, is it? It's it's not realistic to think you can replace all the bad habits with good, but it is good to have those good intentions and to look for ways to improve. And um, I think you're totally right. I mean, goals are great to have set, but there's nothing worse than feeling you've got to where you wanted to be and failed because you haven't ticked box X, Y, and Z, even if you've tick box x and y and begin to celebrate the fact that you actually got here and it's a phrase that i absolutely love is just um you know progression over perfection and i try to remind yeah. myself that all the time because i'm a i'm a complete perfectionist um and i'm typical of not getting to that goal and giving myself a hard time instead of going actually look where we have got so yeah that's definitely my frame of mind change that i'm aiming for this year and the irony there lisa is the fact that because we're creative minded you know we have these minds that kind of wander all over the place anyway so to be able to stick to goals and, you know, it's, it, it's really, really difficult, you know, and, and again, we do beat ourselves. I, I totally, I'm, I'm like, you know, if we don't reach those, it's, it's, oh, it's my fault. I feel so really, really important. The last two years have been about survival. 2022 is about revival. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Completely agree. This is the year of just enjoying life a bit again, uh, getting rid of all the, you know, all of the stress, hopefully to some degree and, 
not worrying about the small things so much but absolutely you mentioned something before actually about potentially getting more public speaking um gigs and this is something that i'm really interested in because um i saw you speak for the first time at an event we were both at last year and you were amazing you were just such a brilliant public speaker just so lively and energetic and inspiring and um i guess for anybody who is listening who's interested in this um have you always been that comfortable on stage in front of a group of people is it something that you've had to work at over the years um what's your take on that it's something you definitely have to work at um when i was sharing the story about when i when i set up and um that first kind of coaching and training the social media with the pub group um I, i remember going into that and that was probably my first um solo kind of uh public speaking training um environment if you like and um i sat down all the way through now if i was to go back now as a as a quote i'd say you know you don't sit down and i sat i remember delivering this workshop sitting down and um it was a big room there was a stage and i sat beside the stage and talk and you think oh my goodness me so no it, it it's something that you i've had to develop with time i think it's confidence um you know i think it's also about your audience understanding your audience doing a bit of research pre to going on there and understanding who's in the audience what they want to hear um i always say public speaking is a bit like um it's a bit like a comedy gig if you don't get engagement in the first two minutes it really puts a lot of pressure so i usually start i like to start with some kind of um humorous quip or just something to get people just so you know there's people there and you know yeah. get a laugh and then from that it it pretty much hopefully flows um obviously preparation is key uh you know massively so make sure you're prepared and over prepared um and and yeah it 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 does it just it's come with time and i'm i'm not a brilliant speaker i'm not going to say you know you know and I, I really thank you for your kind words it really is encouraging um but there's so much i still need to learn and do and and um i'm very aware of that um but you know that's part of my journey it's part of my development so um i take each opportunity it comes and um and hopefully yeah i can be that that better speaker that i want to be one day yeah well i think it's great to have again those improvement goals isn't it but from i can categorically say you were brilliant that day so take that for what it is um so if you could go back simon and give your younger self some good advice what might that be I think the first thing I would say to myself is um stop worrying so much about what other people think. Uh you know, I I'm, I've always been a people pleaser. Um and it it can be detrimental to you as a person and what you're about. Um I th- I think also and I know this comes with age but the confidence thing as well. Um you know, don't worry about the small stuff uh, is really important. This is already quite deep. I'm I'm it it I think if, if anything, when I look back, you know, there, there's lots of opportunities I missed that, you know, because of myself, because of the way I was, I lacked confidence. Um, you know, I, I was very kind of shy at school. Um, I was tall. I was lanky. I had glasses. It kind of like, you know, I, for me, it was, I found it really difficult. So because of that, um, looking back now, it has been hard work and I'm not going to deny that, you know, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed most of it. Um, but yeah, I think just, you know, stop worrying so much about what other people think. Stop trying to please so many people because in life, and I do say this when I coach, there are people who like you and people who don't like you. And for me, if people are like, don't waste your energy, don't waste your time, yeah. focus on those who think you're amazing and keep giving them value and keep them happy because there'll all be someone in life. 
you know, and it's whether what you talk about, what you believe in, the way you dress, the way you speak, et cetera, et cetera. There's always someone who, who so for me, it's, yeah, I would say that was probably the big thing yeah. uh, and having confidence in my abilities. And I think that's a, such wonderful advice. I wonder if that's what we just learn as we get older, because I completely agree with that. If I had to go back and tell myself something, it would be exactly that. And I think that's a great piece of advice for those looking to want to dabble in personal branding as well, just taking us back there, because, you know, sometimes people are so worried about what they put out there and how they'll be perceived and how people will react to it. And will they like it? Will they not? And there is a big part of getting over that to just go, do you know what? Some will love it. Some will hate it. Some won't even care or less, but that's okay. You know, we're not out there to please the masses. You're out there to please a niche audience um and as long as you're getting it right with them then you know that that's what matters so i think that's really interesting advice and that niche audience could be colossal you know we, we talk about niche it's funny because I'm, I'm a big believer in being niche and, and without marketing I'm sure, I'm sure you are too you know we can't market to everybody uh you know even the biggest brands in the world who've got you know um lots and lots of cash don't market to everybody, yeah. you know, really think about your audience, really think about their pain points and the challenges and what solutions you can provide and why you're different. So, far. you know, to me, that's so much more important. And that niche isn't going to kind of limit who you, you type because it could be a, a colossal size, you know, niche. Yeah. Uh, so for me, yeah, absolutely. Niche down, be very wary of who your audience are and please them with value. And trust me, for all the negativity, the positivity that comes off the people who like you is so much more powerful yeah. and will lift you so much more, uh, you know, and, and that's what's really important. That's what we need as people. That's what we need as humans, don't we, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a wild card to finish up here and just thinking about our slightly younger listeners or more junior listeners and, um, you know, you and I are marketers through and through right like we just we could sit and talk forever about marketing and it's what we love it's not a job it's the passion isn't it um and it's such an exciting fast-paced kind of interesting career but any tips or advice for anybody who's looking to get into a marketing career and what you would um what you would recommend steps to get in there well i think first of all you hit on the head it, it's passion Passion is so important. Um, you know, when I've worked in you know the businesses, I've I've done recruitment, and for me, that the candidates that always stand out are those who come in really passionate. You know, they, they've immersed themselves in their industry. They're immersed themselves in what's happening. Uh, you know, they can be very kind of uh, fixed on what they like and what they don't like, and which is great. You know what I mean? And that for me is so much more power than somebody who comes along and just says, "Well, I've got a whole bag full of qualifications." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, even, and also experience as well, if any form of experience, you know, any way in which you can just get a feel for what this industry is like, you, you know, it's a fast moon industry. It's very exciting. Uh, it has its moments, has its challenges, but ultimately we wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. Uh, but I think to, you, you've got to try and get some experience of that. Um, I, I do, um, just as a selfish book, I do a, a course on personal branding for undergraduates at the university. And one of the things we talk about um, is if you're sitting there now, you've got no experience, go and find some. There's loads and loads of small businesses who are desperate for marketing help who don't have much cash. So if you can go in there and just say, look, you know, I'll do some social media for you or, you know what I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at your logo or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just getting that experience, but it's showing that you, you want it. It's showing yeah. that you're passionate. You know, and for me, that is what I'd be saying to anybody who wants to get in this industry, you know, show your passion, prove it, uh, knock on some of those doors. And the other thing is, we, we say in the North, don't we, shy bands getting out. Yeah, we do. The beauty of social media is now, 
especially with LinkedIn. If we go back 20 years ago, if I wanted to contact you on LinkedIn and I was a student and you were doing what you're doing now, um, I'd probably have to go through, um, you know, a secretary. I might have to write to you, you know, within 20 seconds, I can contact you now via social media. Yeah. You know, now what I would say is don't bombard every creative managing director in the land, you know, by saying, give me a job. You've got to go in there with something that's different. You've got to wow them. You know, you've got to really kind of show that you are keen and eager uh, and really want that opportunity. But yeah, the, the, the door is open so much wider now than it's ever been before. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just go on there knocking on doors and the worst that can happen is someone says no to you and that's fine. You move on to the next one. Yeah, completely. And I was just literally talking about this uh, yesterday with a, with a younger group of um, marketers. And, you know, it is that it, it's being a little bit brave, isn't it, about reaching out to strangers, those mentors, those who inspire you and just asking for a tiny slice of their time. And uh, I was saying, you know, this happens to me all the time. And if somebody as long as I'm not being blanketed with like all the people in the land, as you say, I will absolutely give that person my time. I've, and, and when I've asked for that myself, because I do this regularly, I've never, ever had anybody say no to me. There are people who don't respond to you, you know, they're busy or they just, they're not interested in trying to be polite. Um, and that's fine. You've got to not take that personally. But the people who do respond nine times out of 10, they are so kind and willing to give their advice or their support or their time. So it's definitely something to um, to uh, just be a little braver about and, and get stuck in with, isn't it? Massively so, massively so. And the other one last thing I'll say is, I do say this to all my students is, recognize your worth as well. You know what I mean? If, if you know your stuff, if you've got value to give, yeah. go in and tell that employer or that person that you want, you, you've got something, uh, you know, we get nothing for free in this world. It doesn't matter what, but you know, you've got to go and you've got to work for it. So prove it, but, you know, really understand your own worth. If you are good at social media, if you're good at doing TikToks or whatever, if you've got your own YouTube channel, whatever it is, you know, go in there and sell that big and tell people this is what I do and this is why I understand it. Uh, you know what I mean? Because, again, you know, this is what we're looking for. It's that passion. It's that understanding. It's somebody who wants to get on. And you're right. If you can show that, you know, I'd be surprised if, if any employer um, would turn you away. You know, we do, naturally as humans, we want to help each other. Um, you know, it, it's, but you've got to show that you, you're, in, you're in it for the long time and, you know, that, that you need that help and, you know, and likewise, it'll come back to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Any plans for TikToks in the future, Simon? <laughs> uh, I call TikTok the uh, the social media TARDIS. You go on there for five minutes and you spent four hours <laughs> and you still don't know what you've looked at or where you've been. Um, no, I, I must admit, I am going through this stage of educating myself on, on TikTok and how it works as a platform. Uh, and it's a really powerful platform, really powerful. And uh, definitely if you're marketing to, to, to young people, it, it's the place to be. Um, but yeah, no, there's no, there's no plan to be doing any daft dancing or singing on there just yet. Um, yeah, but I never, I never say no, never say no. Yeah, just... absolutely, absolutely. Watch this space. Well, honestly, Simon, that's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that insight, your journey, um, all your advice. I think it's going to be so valuable to our community. So thank you so much, and we will watch. Uh, closely for the release of the second book, which I'm sure will go down an absolute storm this year. Um, yeah, and thank, thanks for being here. No, thank you so much for the opportunity, Lisa. Much appreciated. And uh, yes, onwards and upwards. Eh? Onwards <laughs> and upwards indeed. Thanks, Simon. Well, that's it for this episode. 
If you enjoyed this, please do share with your friends, your network, rate us and do subscribe so we can keep you updated with future episodes. Until then, take care.